What happens when a blind man, a woman of color, and a child of immigrants get together to discuss how diversity, inclusion, and equity affect your business? Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Choose Inclusion podcast. I'm UB, and I am the Latino white guy of the group. I'm Nina. I am the woman of color in the group. And I'm Mike. I'm uh, the blind guy. All right. Hello, everybody. This is Yubi from Choose Inclusion in these crazy quarantine COVID-19 days that we find ourselves in. Um, I'm here with Mike and Nina, of course, and our guest is Julie Kratz. Julie, we are very excited to talk to you. Um, tell us quickly a little bit about yourself, what's going on. I know that this originally was going to be recorded in person. Uh, you were going to be coming out here to Denver, and we were going to sit down all together in the in the studio, but um, plans have changed. So tell us a little bit about this book that you're also uh, getting ready to launch. Yeah, yeah well, I'm, I'm sad that like most meetings nowadays, we're virtual <laughs> instead of live face-to-face, but I'm glad we could find a workaround given uh, the constraints of travel and social distancing right now in the COVID era. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's been an interesting ride. So my background, I spent uh, 12 years or so in corporate America before starting my own business, Next Pivot Point. And we really exist to develop inclusive leaders and talk about diversity and inclusion in the workplace. And specifically, what I love having conversations inside organizations and at conferences about diversity, inclusion, and women's leadership is how to be an ally. And that is the subject of the new book, Lead Like an Ally. And when I say ally, it's really meant to be an all-encompassing term to include people in the conversation around diversity and inclusion that may not identify as quote-unquote diverse. So, for example, those in the majority group, say white, cisgender, male, maybe straight, able-bodied, go down the list of all the different dimensions of diversity. You know, rarely does somebody not have some attribute of which they identify differently than the majority group. But those big five um, in particular keep people out of the conversation, which is harmful because those are exactly the people we need to be a part of the conversation and to participate in a meaningful way. If we're really gonna advance social change, we need decision makers to be involved. We need those with power and privilege to be um, included in the conversation. So that's my life's work is around a teaching allyship in the workplace and teaching people specifically how to lead like an ally, lead from where you're at inclusively to build a strong team around you that is diverse, that is inclusive, that fosters a sense of deep belonging in the workplace where people truly feel seen, heard, and that they belong. I love that, Julie. And I uh, had the pleasure of meeting you uh, prior to the podcast. And um, uh, I love the kindred spirit in and around any any conversation for uh, diversity and inclusion. I uh, I'd love to know uh, if if you don't mind just sharing what what are some of your strategies? Um, you know, getting getting people wh- wh- whether they're part of the um, you know majority group, what, regardless of the demographic that you're aiming to talk to. And I and I totally agree. You 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 got to have partnerships with. Um, all peoples, right? So, but I'd love to know some strategies you use 
uh, to create those uh, those allyships. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for that. That it lends itself to the book's content. So, a year ago, when I was writing all this, a book writing a book is a journey, just like being an ally is a journey. Um, you know what leaders were really craving is that recipe. And, and you know, people in the DNI space like ourselves are like, hey, I can't give you the recipe. It's not that simple. And I, I had this moment at a whiteboard where I'm like, hmm, if I were to make it simple, what would I include in that recipe? Because that's what people want. They need a starting point, right? They need a safe um, kind of entry point into the conversation to feel a part of it. And, and it starts with some simple techniques around allyship as look at your culture of your organization, right? It, I mean, and I don't mean look at like the mission, vision, core values. Yeah, we've all got those usually and people can't remember them. So it doesn't really matter anyway. I'm kidding, but think about your culture and how inclusive it really is. And what I love organizations to do is just like think through the employee experience from recruiting to hiring, to promotions, to pay increases, to separation decisions and everything in between. How inclusive are we being at each stage of that process? And what does it look like for people that don't fit into that majority group? Are we really doing our best? So clean up uh, the employee experience, clean up the culture. Um, foster a sense of belonging in the workplace and the best thing that allies can do to do this is to listen and listen with positive intent and just curiosity you don't have to have all the answers you don't have to put on your rescue cape. in fact allies rarely do this allyship is in the eye of the beholder so just remind yourself that you don't have to be the solution but you're part of the solution through helping someone self-discover their path forward have the candid conversation. Uh, if you see something, a lot of times as, as allies, or I like to call them allies in training, we're all allies in training, myself included. If you see something that's truly uncomfortable or you witness something like, Ooh, even if you just say the word like, ouch, <laughs> to acknowledge that it wasn't helpful what the person said or pull them aside and say, hey, when you said this, what exactly did you mean? Have a call in culture where candid conversations are welcomed. And then really thinking about the back end of this recipe, um, the book kind of outlines these key strategies, is really engaging and having metrics to support a sustainable system. So nothing in business that's important, even in nonprofits, right? We measure fundraising dollars, we measure profitability dollars in business. Why don't we measure things around DNI? And I suspect it's because well, we think, oh, I can't, can't get those numbers, which I, I would argue you can. Um, but anything that's important gets, gets measured. So measure, have metrics, even it doesn't have to be, um, you know, an affirmative action type of situation. It can very simply be, we want to grow in these key areas of diversity, and we are going to measure it year after year and note our positive progress, not necessarily set quotas or goals to it, but measure what's important and have a sustainable system to make sure that we're increasing those numbers instead of like more organizations stagnating and flatlining on it. That's, yeah, that's phenomenal. Yeah, like um, I, there's so much to unpack there, Julie. I, I think that that's a really great starting point. I, I do wanna kind of call out the fact that you talked about call in culture. I think that's a really, like we're in a place right now where xenophobia is kind of rampant with CODIV. Uh, or not COVID, <laughs> and, uh, you know, and so we're seeing a lot of discrimination against Asian Americans in particular, um, and then the just, you know, you go on Twitter, and there's just so much anger out there, right? There's just so much anger at everything 
that's going on. And so there's this instinct to call people out. I was wondering if you could dive in a little bit more about like, what does it mean to you to call people in? Um, and how is that different than like call out culture? Yeah. Yeah. Call out culture is deeply uncomfortable. I've been a part of cultures like that where people were really aggressive with one another and I think disrespectful with one another. And so call in cultures instead honor the person as a human being and come from a place of positive intent and respect and acknowledge their imperfections. Right? We're, we're, if we're waiting for everyone to be perfect and get this conversation right 100% of the time, we will wait forever. So honor where somebody's at. Instead, call in cultures, meet people where they're at, acknowledge their intent, but also acknowledge the impact of their words was not probably what they had hoped to create. So helping people understand, I understand when you said this, you probably meant this, or just letting them explain what they meant rather than fill it in for them. The impact was this, right? And, and the more that you can get people to say what they mean without being mean about it, uh, the more you can foster a place where call-in culture is accepted. And this, this has to be modeled by leaders. If leaders are unwilling to get candid and skirt around the issues or say things like, well, that's Brad, he just talks that way. You're letting everybody know that it's okay for everyone to talk that way. So if you accept it, you're telling everybody that they can accept it too. So if you don't want to see something like that happen again, or you don't want to hear somebody say something like that again, your choice, especially as a leader, anyone can lead from where they're at, regardless of position. Your choice, your only choice, if you don't want that to happen again, is to say something. Because otherwise, if you choose not to say something or do something, you have to be okay with it staying the same. Yeah, that's a great point. And I mean, it, it, that's exactly, that's, that's sort of that, you know, not stated truth is that by not, not acting on it, you are basically saying that you're okay with it. That's a, I think that's a huge point that people don't realize, right? And I think we all do it just through our actions or through our inaction. We are absolutely basically saying we agree with whatever's going on. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's really interesting. How, so how is all of this allyship and, and inclusion and belonging, how have how has it in your mind shifted given this current work from home isolated scenario we find ourselves in, you know, like what, especially from a leadership perspective, because that's, you know, I, I, that's what we're talking about is as a leader, th this is a prime once in a lifetime opportunity to reboot or restart or even start building a truly inclusive place of, of work. It is. What are you thinking about with that? Yeah, I think this is going to, COVID is going to mark a really incredible time of change uh, for any generation in the workforce today. Um, you know, it, it's certainly very different than 9-11. Um, that was before, right before I entered the workforce. So I can't even speak to anything like this ever happening in, in a work environment, um, in my experience. And you're right, it's going to change things with any cultural change, with any um, pandemic like this. There's a before and after, and it's not the after is not going to be the same as the before. What I'm seeing from a DNI lens perspective is two really positive things: um, those with disabilities and those that are primary caregivers, which 80% are women. Uh, 
are being more included in a virtual workplace, right? Um, and not always, um, but generally speaking, um, those that can work from home, it, that work tends to be more appealing to those that have um, disabilities, that those that may not you know, naturally be welcomed into kind of that corporate work environment, like primary caregivers as well, that desire flexibility in the work and don't need to be in a cube from eight to five. So I think those are two positive things that we're, we're seeing um, from, from a, a dimensions of diversity that are being more welcomed as a result of it. The third thing I'd say though, um, and this is something I think we just have to be really careful about, is in times of change, in times of crises, um, when we hit the panic button, sometimes we're just focused on the business result or we're just focused on keeping the lights on. And what I fear is that leaders are gonna let go of things like diversity and inclusion I hate to work, use the word initiatives, but a lot of times that's what they are, whether that's your programming, your events, because we've got work to do. And I've seen this in my speaking business this spring. My entire calendar has been wiped clean. And you have to hope that those things will be made up. Most of them will be postponed or certainly a few have gone virtual, but I hope we don't have to restart and make up three months time when really think we're hitting such head headway and getting some headwinds around this conversation um, to be kind of slowed down and take a back burner. You know, for example, the months of March and April and are huge for diversity and inclusion traditionally. Women's History Month and diversity, celebrate diversity month in April. Um, I, I don't see those things trending on Twitter. I don't see articles about them on LinkedIn. I'm not seeing people talk about those on news media. The only thing that we're consuming right now is COVID related. So my fear is, is that we're, we're putting this on the way back burner and, and then we'll have to, it'll take some time to, to recalibrate. Now, I forecast, and on the positive side, I think three months from now, whenever we're at a healthier place and we're at that after, people are going to realize the inclusive teams, the ones that were diverse and inclusive and had good leadership, far outperformed those that didn't because they had trust, they had healthy communication, and they were already leading inclusively and making sure voices were heard, whether they were in person or on the phone or virtually. So we will see the benefits of this and we'll see some real great stories to depict that. So we'll get some headwinds, <laughs> even if we, we kind of take a back step to take a big step forward. Uh, that's, that's where I see things going in the future is definitely one of, of um, compelling need now more than ever for, for inclusion. Oh, that's a great, that's a great point. I think like the level of communication that needs to happen right now um, is just, it's so important. And I think that that is like one of the key elements associated with diversity and inclusion is like, are you communicating? Are you giving platforms for people to have their voices heard? And, you know, with this kind of like reactionary space that we're in, you're right, like the companies that really focus on like, how are we giving voices to everybody are the ones that are gonna do do the best and make their way through this. Mm -hmm. well, I think it's gonna be, I think we're gonna see a, a completely different world on the end of this, uh, on the other side of this, you know, crazy window that we're all walking through right now. I mean, this Alice in Wonderland kind of effect of, those people, you're right, like those businesses who were, who had that built in, because honestly, like, I think that's, the, the, this, this inclusivity, this, this 
treating everybody as a human and treating everybody equally, that's going to be the power that stands up, even though for those organizations, those restaurants, those service, um, service businesses that are so hit right now financially, it, it's, it's that team and that team cohesion and that team effort that will bring those through successfully to the other side. While I think those other ones, to your point, the ones that are only focused on the numbers or who are using this situation as a, uh, as a distraction to doing the real work that, you know, that companies should be taking the opportunity to do right now, they're going to fall behind and maybe not even exist anymore. I mean, that's, that's, and I think diversity and inclusion in, in these, strategies and these initiatives are what will power the future uh, mm-hmm. successful companies on, on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's that human connection factor that's so powerful and almost invisible that diverse and inclusive teams have. That's why we're, they're associated with such strong business results. And so this invisible factor, I, I hope, is able to be seen visibly of the, com- the companies and organizations that weather the storm on the other side as, as really a tribute to this work is now more important than ever. And, and I, the other guess I have <laughs> is the organizations that stay committed to diversity and inclusion and have messages about it and have engagements, even if they're virtual or <laughs> whatever it is, they stay diligent on this. They're telling everybody that important even during covid we were talking about this we were actively participating in this conversation and keeping that going forward it's that important right and that sets the tone again it models that behavior this is a non-negotiable belief and value and behavior that we expect at this organization even in the most trying times thanks for listening to the choose inclusion podcast Make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And you can see closed captioning for this podcast on our YouTube channel. You can find us online on our website, chooseinclusion.com, and contact us on Twitter at chooseinclusion.